Today we're taking you to the park where one night of bear attacks changed the National Park Service forever. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wanderlust. Welcome to the Travel FOMO podcast. My name is Jamin Houghton and I am here with my bear aficionado, uh, Hillary. <laughs> I am bearware. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Did anything about all of our travels of Gap Year, including like Europe everywhere, like RVing for the first time, traveling by train, did anything give you as much anxiety as bears? No, including going without salaries was not as stressful <laughs> as bears. <laughs> well, today we are talking about our time in Glacier National Park. This is the third episode of season nine of the Travel FOMO podcast. Uh, we are traveling around in an airstream at this point and really trying to see a lot of America and Canada that we had never seen before, had never experienced. And our adventures took us to Glacier. Uh, and I'm so glad it did. Glacier is so beautiful. Yeah, I. it's interesting because we saw it so early on and mm -hmm. we saw so much after that that it's almost a little bit tough to compare, but I I still feel like it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really beautiful, but you're right. We just didn't even know how to compare it in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really amazing. Um, it is... The kind of the original um, OG of national parks when it comes to deep woods, hiking and camping, um, a lot of Glacier is only accessible by foot and backcountry camping. So there's a lot of it that, that you really only can see by foot. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Um, it was established in 1910. It's in the very northern part of Montana. Um, it borders with Canada. You can actually go on hikes that take you from the U.S. into Canada and back in the U.S. It's a million acres. Uh, it's like 700 miles of trails. Uh, it is just a really, really unique and cool park. Um, most of what you see as a visitor is the going to the Sun Road. Um, and before you get there and we'll, we'll talk about like the reservation system and stuff later, but you have to make reservations to get on the going to the sun road and you kind of think like, well, maybe I won't do that every day. But, but if you get to the park, you realize like, if you're going to see anything, yeah, you got to be on the going to the sun road. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of this one long road that, that runs through the park and takes you to all of the places in the park, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Huckleberries are a really big thing there. Huckleberries. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, which they're kind of like blueberries, but would you say like maybe a little bit more tart? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a great way to put it. Yeah. And um, they're, they're huge there. So much, in fact, that you're allowed to pick them in the national park. Mm -hmm. You can pick up to a quart of them and take them home with you and yeah. do which whatever you be, do with huckleberries. Yeah, it would be like um, bringing a little quart container of yogurt if you imagine like the big containers of yogurt yeah, yeah that's basically like what you would bring with you and put it in your backpack and you can um harvest them while you're there uh, but only that much per person and i'm like just saying this because i think it's so interesting <laughs> and um i wanted to do that but honestly i got would get a little scared because bears also they're there to eat the huckleberries as <laughs> they well love, they so. do love i didn't want to compete 
<laughs> yeah, you uh, you're likely to find bears in the huckleberry patches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all like all surrounding the park, there's kind of huckleberry everything, like yeah. pie and ice cream and all that kind of stuff. And it's just sort of a fun, unique thing to that park too, where yeah. I feel like that's just part of the glacier experience is like getting some huckleberry something while you're yeah there. yeah well and it's so interesting that they had to put a limit on the harvesters because way back in the day during the great depression people were actually picking them to make money because oh. it was like a really affordable well free pretty much way to um harvest some natural fruit that was out there so Anyway, I think that's kind of interesting. But then they eventually had to be like, okay, guys, you can only have so much. <laughs> yeah. And if you're if you are interested in the huckleberries, um, look up what the plant looks like because the berries actually grow under the leaves. So you don't really know that they're there so much unless you know what a huckleberry patch looks like. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, Huckleberries. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yep, exactly. Okay, so when we arrived to Glacier, um, we'd just come from the Grand Tetons, and we'd come through Yellowstone, and we'd actually just stopped briefly to see Old Faithful yep. for the first time for both mm-hmm. of us, yeah. which was kind of cool. And it we was. didn't really, we didn't do a whole episode on that because we were literally there for a few minutes. We just kept running into bad luck when it came to <laughs> traveling with our RV. We were like, are you kidding me? The check engine light came on on the truck yeah and we were like in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. nowhere and i mean honestly at this point every travel day had been a really bad day (laughs) it and it kept being the theme Mm -hmm. i feel like for a long time every travel day was like Okay, what like what's gonna go wrong now? Yeah, yeah. So you guys can kind of tune into some of the last couple episodes to hear more about like how how rough of a start we had when it came <laughs> to um, starting out RV life and everything. Um, so there's lots of good drama back there. Um, but the good news is that we actually made it to Glacier. So we did. <laughs> we were grateful. Um, at this point, we were still traveling with our friends Jeremy and Casey and their three year old and. Um, we were they were already set up at campsite by the time we arrived so um, we were actually staying just outside of Glacier and for those of you who know the area or you want to go there and you've kind of been mapping it out the the place that we stayed was Timberwolf Resort and it was in Hungry Horse Montana which is on the west side um, of Glacier National Park so you would enter Glacier from the west and it was actually really close um so that was Mm -hmm. that was great and beautiful i mean absolutely beautiful we were basically on the side of a highway and it didn't matter (laughs) it was beautiful (laughs) yeah it really was like it was a it was a really pretty park yeah but um but that's kind of like just setting the scene for you guys that's kind of like what the context of us arriving to glacier yes yeah and so we like on our very first day, we went into the park and uh, got on the going to the Sun Road uh, a little ways and took our like really first hike of Glacier was to Avalanche Lake. And it was just stunning. Yeah. The entire hike was great. Um, there was some elevation, but it, it really everything was so pretty that it didn't feel like much. Mm-hmm. And. We took our time. We started hiking around 7.30 a.m. Um, and I think we got to the park 
at like 630, um, which we would recommend like Glacier is a busy park. And we had reservations for going the Sun Road, which you need and got there early. We're able to take this hike early in the morning and it was just so incredible there's kind of like a a really easy path at the beginning called trail of the cedars and it's all paved so if you just want to do like a really short kind of hike that's really accessible that's you can start off that way but then it breaks out to the avalanche lake trail um you're going along a river with these massive trees and just huge huge mountains everywhere um it was beautiful. It was yeah. so beautiful. I was really excited about this one because I'd seen so many pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And every time I kept like seeing photos of Glacier, I would see these photos of Avalanche Lake. And so I was like really excited to see it. And it really did not disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of people on the trail. Um, even though we'd started out at 730, mm-hmm. you could start out a lot earlier and, and it'd be even more private, you know, of right. an experience. Yeah. We got, uh, we finally got to the end of it where we're at the lake and it, uh, like you said, it's just picturesque. We've got some great photos out there that we'll share on social media and stuff like that. But it was just, just stunning. Just stunning. One of my favorite memories that I have from that hike is literally we're with this three-year-old Charlie and he is a trooper and he is like his little legs are working so hard and he keeps getting tired and every so often he would be like I just need a minute (laughs) and it sounded so adult and he would sit down and rest but he'd be like I just need a minute and it was so sweet I like still find myself saying that nowadays whenever something happens like you and I will crack up because we'll be like I just need a minute guys. <laughs> it's nice to hike with a little kid because they do have to stop for like snack breaks yeah and so I don't feel bad about also stopping for snack breaks exactly exactly <laughs> do you remember as we were hiking back down what we found along the way I do I do I remember there being some like bear scratches on a tree. Yeah. Like pretty high up. Yeah. And, like, and pretty severe. Yes. I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And you guys, that's foreshadowing because we saw bears while we were in Glacier. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like they are real because there is nothing else that could be up there that high and that deep of marks in a tree. It's like... And that was it. I was like, oh, my goodness, here we go. The anxiety started ramping up. <laughs> yeah, your anxiety spiked. I don't know if, if everyone has seen the old school movie Parent Trap, but they go camping and the like the stepmom that comes in, they like get her to like bang sticks together to like keep mountain lions away. Um, that is exactly what Hillary's like yep. on every hike. Yep, definitely. Yep, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, you know, you were talking as we like started about the going to the Sun Road, and that was something that you're right. Like, you basically are gonna you're gonna travel the going to the Sun Road every day as you're in Glacier. Mm-hmm. There's really no other way to see Glacier yeah. by vehicle. And just to give people a little bit of context, um, it's about 50 miles long, which to me didn't sound that long. Um, but it is a slow, steep drive. Yeah. And that's kind of what we had planned 
for later that day. Um, and the views were so incredible. I think I thought it was going to be good. I, I mean, I did. I thought it was going to be good, but I honestly did not think it was going to be this great. Yeah. And it really exceeded my expectations for sure. I think you, like on a drive like that, you hope for like glimpses mm-hmm. of beauty, but the going to the sun road, it's almost the whole thing. Nonstop. It's beauty. just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's also freakishly high. <laughs> It is. It's yeah. like, like literally takes your breath away. <laughs> and we were in our Ford F-250. And I remember you had to literally hit the button to like make the, um, the mirrors, the review mirrors on the sides, like pull yeah. them in because mm-hmm. it was too narrow. It, we would have been hitting other vehicles when we passed them. Yeah. It's it crazy. Is, it is very narrow and you have to go super slow and lots, lots of turns and twists on it. I think there's like I think you can't have a vehicle over like 21 feet long. Yeah. Can't go on it. So you can't like RVs and stuff can't go on it. Like I think our truck was right at the limit of the size of vehicle that could go up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, one of our first stops was the loop and it, there's like this really hard U-turn that you have to make. And it was really incredible. Like the views there were so great um then there's like there's all these little points along the way so you've got like haystack creek and it's got waterfalls that are just like this perfect stair step of stone that's kind of naturally in the in um kind of building its way into the mountain and then you've got weeping wall which is this area that's kind of fun i would think for kids even as an adult you're kind of like this is crazy because you basically drive through a waterfall that's coming off of the mountain and so it's all this melted water from glaciers that's falling down the mountain and it creates these a wall of waterfalls that are kind of above the road and they just fall over the road and down below the road and you have to drive through it and the wall of water literally hits your vehicle and anyway I just think that would be like so fun with a car full of kids you know Um, (laughs) I was like rolling down the window to see like can I like leave the window down for this i don't know like (laughs) it's just like pressing my boundaries a little bit but um and then that will take you eventually and remember we're coming from the west that takes you eventually to logan's pass and logan's pass is the highest peak on the road and so um it might actually be the highest peak in all of glacier i think it is Yeah, yeah that that would make sense there is so much snow up there that come june the road might still be shut down it, I think it on that I think that year it opened up um July 14th right. like mid July which is crazy that means that like we arrived and it was basically like they just opened Yeah just a few days It's crazy um which to me I mean, I'm just not used to seeing snow in July, you know, no, that's wild. Um, But there's this huge, big visitor visitor center up there on Logan's Pass and there's parking, but it is limited. So just kind of note to make a note to self. You want to get there as early as you can. And so we decided, you know, we just kind of took a look at it in that moment, decided we'd come back for that. And we ended up getting to hike it later, which um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, if you're as you're driving the road, you'll also see St. Mary's is a really notable point. It's um, on the far east side of um, this long road, but we didn't actually get that far. We kind of got into an area where there had been a lot of wildfires and um, it wasn't maybe a scenic. So we kind of just uh, called it a day. But that drive takes a long time 
time. Yeah. Guys, like it was hours of us yes. driving. Yeah. Hours and hours of us driving. Um, but uh, but it's totally worth it, although it is something you have to plan for. Yeah, you have to make reservations uh, to get on going to the Sun Road, which I don't know why they don't just have it reservations to get into the park because really the going to the Sun Road is the park. So if you're wanting to go to Glacier, you're going to want reservations for going to the Sun Road every day that that you want to be in the park. So make those in advance. You uh, book online like six months out. So we had booked ours um, in March. Uh, to get to get ready and um, uh, one reservation at that time one reservation was good for three days and so you know depending on how long you're going to be there you might need to make two Um, and it's definitely it's definitely worth it don't let the reservation like scare you away you should definitely do it Um, but yeah it uh, it's something that you're gonna gonna want to have and like Hillary said the full road doesn't open up until all the snow is cleared. And a lot of times that happens late June, early July. So if you are on the, if you're on the east side of the park, you won't be able to get to the west side of the park yeah. without driving days to the south to <laughs> like come back up. Yeah. So just kind of be cognizant of that. Um, another way that you can see going to the Sun Road are the red buses and so there are these iconic red buses that are vehicles that were special made for glacier i think they're the oldest bus fleet still in use in any national park and they leave from the lake mcdonald lodge so if you're like i really want to see going to the sun road and see all this beauty and all this stuff but i don't want to have to drive it myself uh, you can go to uh, Lake McDonald Lodge and take one of the red buses. They're really cool, and um, I I think it would definitely be good for a family. Like a lot of people can fit on them, so if you had like a big group and you all wanted to do it together, mm-hmm. that would be the perfect way to do it. And you get to see Lake McDonald Lodge as well. Like it's really cool. We had breakfast there one morning. Uh, we went in the bookstore there. There's all all kinds of stuff. It's this iconic. Um, sort of like Swiss chalet kind of vibe to it, uh, which a lot of Glacier is like, it's called those like Switzerland of America. And so everything has that very like Swiss mountain feel to it. And Lake McDonald Lodge is something cool we're seeing anyway. Um, if we go back, I would be interested in, in doing one of the the red buses that just seems cool and fun. Like I, I really liked it. And and the lodge is a lot of fun too. We had a great breakfast there that uh, I just highly recommend that whole area, the Lake McDonald area. Yeah. Just go check it out. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful area and really accessible. Like it's yeah. um, really like right as you get into the park from the west, yes. which is really nice. Um, and I think there is another lodge. Um, I, I know there's another lodge on the other side of the park as well. And mm. that doesn't require you to take the going to the sun road to get to it. So there are a couple things you can do without getting on going to the sun road. But really you're yeah. gonna want to go you, if you don't have reservations for going on the sun road you're going to be kind of disappointed yeah and i think you can get on maybe early in the day but i think you'd have to go like before five like be in the park before five to not have your reservations so um but once you have them 
you're good to go and you know that you, you get right in especially if you show up early the a line starts to kind of queue up as it gets like much past seven o'clock like you're going to be waiting to kind of get in the park but uh, make those reservations and, and get there early and you'll really really enjoy it and if you're lucky you might see a bear actually we didn't even have to get on to going to the sun road to see a bear no yeah. yeah. And I say that that like that's a good thing, but I wasn't a huge fan. <laughs> I was I was like a little nervous about seeing bears. I was I was a lot nervous. I was a lot nervous. Like that's why we bought a RV. Right. <laughs> Literally it's why we well it's one of the many reasons. But um okay, so here's the story of seeing our first bear in our national parks. We were hiking around North Lake McDonald Road, John's Lake, um, beautiful area. Yeah. Loved the hike a lot. It's mm-hmm. very, there was a lot of variety to it. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like there's waterfalls, huge, loud waterfalls. Like you could hardly yeah. have a conversation standing next to each other. They're so loud. And um, incredible blue waters, um, just, and then really peaceful areas, but then also areas that looked more like a rainforest. Which it's, I thought was really cool. It's supposed to be a good place to see moose. Like people mm. the day before us had seen several and we didn't get to see a moose, which I was disappointed about. But yeah. like it's it's one of the places in the park to go to see a moose. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'd forgotten that part too. Um, and we were walking along cliffs for a while. I mean, it, it was like really steep, really beautiful. Um Charlie, I'll say the the little three year old that our friends have that was with us, he did really good. We were actually all really blown away because he just never got tired. Yeah. He was such a trooper on this one. Um, and we came across a bunch of people on horses and we were going in opposite directions. So, you know, they're passing us and we're like, oh, cool horses like this. This this looks like a lot of fun. Like and, you know, just kind of videoing them, too, because it just was really fun. I'd love to do a horse pack um, trail ride sometime. That'd be really fun if they didn't scare me so much. I was scared of horses, too. (laughs) Surprise, (laughs) surprise. (laughs) But um, but they told us that there was or actually not long after that, a hiker told us that there was a bear uh, coming in a huckleberry. Yeah. The people on the horses told us too. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah. so everybody's telling us there's like a bear coming up and it's in the huckleberry patch up ahead. And of course, I don't know how to find a huckleberry patch, but I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, like be on the lookout for a bear. And I thought for sure once people were notifying us, I thought, you know, as a group, we were all going to be like, oh, okay turn around and go back to the car you know (laughs) i thought we would i literally thought we would turn around and nobody wanted to turn around everybody was thrilled that we were gonna see a bear (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh and i kept asking charlie to hold my hand this (laughs) three-year-old and i think later on i think it was really because i needed the reassurance more than he even needed like he clearly wasn't afraid of anything um so it was really funny but um I was just like making sure we had bear spray, all of our stuff, that we're doing okay. And um, you and Jeremy were actually the first to to spot the bear and it was just eaten away. Yeah, it was just in a huckleberry patch just off the trail, um, just eating huckleberries. Yep, 20, 30 yards away, we thought maybe, something like that. Yeah, just a little black bear. 
Um, it was it was really really cool. Um, we were closer than I probably would like ultimately want to be, but because of the trail, like we didn't really have any other route to go, and you could clearly yeah, we couldn't see have him. turned back around or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I say we could have done Hillary's plan and gone back to Texas, <laughs> but um, no, like to to continue on our hike and finish the loop because it's a loop trail. You got to finish oh, it. Okay. Um, but he was right off just eating eating huckleberries. Like it was really cool to see. We got some video. Um. So if you want to go over to YouTube and, and check out our video for this one, like there's some footage in there of the of little bear just yep. hanging out. Just back behind all these bushes. It actually was not as scary as I thought, mm -hmm. but I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to like see more bears. Like it was like just too, too nerve wracking. I think I eventually got to the point. If you guys stick with us long enough, you'll hear us get to the Great Smoky Mountains and talk about bear sightings there. And uh, that is when I started to be like, wow, that is really majestic. Yeah. Like, this is really crazy um, to see something that that beautiful. But OK, so tell us, Jamin, what should we do if we're in bear country? What are all the things that are the best tips for people. Okay. So if you are in bear country, it is something to take serious and there are bears and they like can negatively interact with people <laughs> if, if you don't take the proper precautions. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, talk and make noise as you hike um, so that you don't walk up on a bear and surprise it. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. So, um, if you hike alone a lot, you might consider getting a bear bell, just a little bell that, that you would put on your backpack or whatever that would jingle a little bit. Or if you're with people, just like carry on a conversation um, so that you can be heard. Ideally, you want to stay 100 yards away from a bear, um, especially a grizzly bear. But uh, really, any bear needs to be respected. So yeah. uh, keep your distance. Um, in most cases... Uh, stop and slowly back away from a bear if a bear is looking at you like sort of engaging you for lack of a better word um, don't run if you run that clicks in their their chase instinct mm -hmm. um, so don't don't take off running um, carry bear spray when you're in a bear area like and have it accessible like you don't want it at the bottom of your backpack where you have to dig for it like keep it somewhere where you can get it if you're with hillary it'll be in her hand so, on my hip <laughs> so so it'll be very accessible um, i'll keep you safe guys come hike with me <laughs> yeah, uh, talk normal um and then also it's a um it's really important just anyway but especially when bears are involved to not leave a trace yeah so don't leave trash um or food scraps around. Um, don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, even even things like banana peels or orange peels or stuff like that. Like put them in your bag and and hike them out. Like yeah. don't don't leave that kind of stuff. You don't want bears associating people with food. Like that's when things start to become a problem for people and for the bears. Really, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and every 
every national park that you go into is going to have safety information for you on all the things in that park. Um, a lot of them hand out like a little brochure or like a little newspaper. If you're Hillary, you really, really, really love to get the little newspaper. I would ask for the newspaper. If they didn't automatically hand it to me, I'd be like, um, can I get one of your newspapers? <laughs> it had so much good information in it. And you could learn about the park while you were driving. It gave me something to do. <laughs> or you could look at the park that you're driving through. I did both. <laughs> but they do um the national park service is really good about online and uh like physical literature having information for you on each park that you're going to so just educate yourself on the wildlife in that park and their recommendations for for what you do and uh, you'll be fine yeah yeah and you know the interesting thing too is that like if you are um, attacked by a bear, it's kind of different the way you react to like a black bear versus a grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yes. What's, can you tell people a little bit about that? So for a grizzly bear, you want to play dead um, because if a, if a grizzly bear attacks you, he's probably trying to kill you to then save you and eat you later <laughs> so um or it's a territorial thing hmm. and either way being dead like it's the better yeah option. like saves you from further attack but uh, a black bear if he attacks you he's gonna try to eat you then so a black bear you need to fight back um and and that's really uncommon for a black bear, right? Yes. Yeah. It's very uncommon for a black bear to attack you. Like, um, and most of the time a bear is either injured or sickly or has been conditioned to associate people with food for there to be that kind of negative interaction. Um, so really if, if you are in the areas that you're supposed to be, doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, um, you really don't have a whole lot to worry about. Um, but you start bending or breaking the rules and things, things can go poorly. So with all nature and those animals, like you need to respect them, keep your distance and no, like no picture or footage is worth getting hurt for. So yeah. Just remember that kind of stuff when you're when you're in a national park. There are dangerous places, whether it be wildlife or hiking or any of that kind of stuff. Um, it all needs to be respected, and mm -hmm. it's all different than what most of us are used to, day in and day out. So really, do your research and and know kind of how to navigate those waters. Yeah, it's so such untamed territory. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really really powerful um you know you talked about like the idea of bears becoming familiar with humans and we really experienced that that same day we just seen a black bear mm -hmm. that was like you know just eating its little huckleberries not really even aware of us and then we saw 
a grizzly bear on the road in a really populated area. Mm -hmm. It was wild. We were um, driving along. And so this is on the going to the sun road. And um, we were pulling out to the loop turnout. So if any of you are familiar, it's, you know, this this area with this big U-turn. And um, there's a grizzly bear just walking straight across the street. And our friends, uh, Nelson and Casey, they were literally in front of us and in their truck. And it just passed right in front of them. It, it was like it was like on a Sunday stroll. Yeah. Yeah. It was so unconcerned by the vehicles, so unconcerned by the humans. Um, it actually passed right beside an older couple that was sitting on a bench. Yeah. I was, like, scared for them. I was a little worried for them, too. You could tell they didn't really know what to do uh-huh. because they were sitting on that bench, maybe eating their lunch, having just eaten their lunch. Oh, my gosh. And you could tell that like the bear kind of came out of the trees and onto the street and across the street to then where they were. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not like they're like, Oh look, there's a bear. Let's go to it. Like they're staying stationary and the bears headed their way. Yeah. And I I was a little concerned for them too, because there wasn't a lot of places for them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really kind Off of at cliff, this lookout. Literally. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's this lookout behind them and a bear in front of them, really. Yeah. And it. uh, And vehicles, like there's like a two lane road right in front of them, too. So they could either like right behind them is like this cliff. And then right in front of them is this this these vehicles, which are actually stopped for the bear. So it's not probably not like the craziest thing to just walk out into the street. But I wouldn't want to move at all if it were me. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it uh, it was pretty wild. And I mean, after that, we literally asked ourselves, "What kind of bear is that? Like, was that was that just a brown bear? Was it a grizzly bear?" And we it caused us to really do some research, and we really believe it was a grizzly bear because it had a really prominent hump on its shoulder. Um, like on its back, and then it had the the ears that are a little bit rounder and shorter. It had incredibly long claws, um, which is still freaky to think about. And I specifically remember like its hair was really like scraggly mm-hmm. and like rough looking. Um, and so the interesting part is that color isn't always necessarily an indicator, which right. you know I'm super relieved to. <laughs> read that you're like oh great i just get to be more confused now but um but something that i did read was that black bears would normally have pointy ears um and so yeah so then of course the next thing we did was like well, we've got to hike a trail like right here right now where the bears are <laughs> well the bear had gone in the other direction true and uh we had made it to the the trail where we were going to hike from, mm-hmm. it was as was already our plan. So we, uh, <laughs> despite uh, despite Hillary's um, accelerated warnings, uh, we took off on the hike and we were hiking on the loop trail. Um, and we uh, parked at like kind of like the trailhead. There's a little parking area with just a few spots. So we were lucky to to get some spots there. And we started out and getting into this hike and then it, it kind of started to rain a little bit. And then once we got out there a little further, 
it really started raining (laughs) and it started raining hard. And we were kind of at this point where we're like, well, at this point, if we walk back, we're going to get really wet Mm -hmm. walking back. Yeah. So we might like, we're not going to get wetter by continuing to go. So we just kept hiking. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really great memory. Um, the trail was was fine. Um, I think I liked a couple of the other trails in Glacier better, but like the memory of hiking in the rain was a lot of fun. I think Charlie was really liking it. Yes. Like it, it was just a good time. And he looked uh, so cute in his little raincoat with like his hood on and his hands in his pockets. And he's walking <laughs> next to you and Nelson, just like he was like the toughest kid in the world. You could tell he's like, "Yep, we're just gonna walk in the rain." <laughs> It, yeah it, it was a lot of fun we hiked a little ways out and then back like we didn't hike the full loop um the full loop is quite a long trail but we just wanted to hike some of it and you know a little a little out and back in the rain was a, a lot of fun made for a really great memory yeah i remember at one point us all looking at each other like are we really gonna do this okay like <laughs> we're gonna do it and we just started <laughs> Just hiking in the rain. Well, and we didn't know, but if we had stayed on the trail, it would have taken us to one of your favorite spots in the park, Granite Park Chalet. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we were on our way to the Granite Park Chalet, which I don't think I actually knew at the time. Um, But later on, I realized that like that loop trail, it takes people there. And that is actually where a couple was attacked by grizzly bears. And it's a real story, but it's all documented in a book called Night of the Grizzlies. And I ended up buying that book at the gift shop. But we had originally seen it at we'd seen a documentary on PBS um, that we found on YouTube or Prime or something like that. Um, It's also a book called Night of the Grizzlies by Jack Olson. Highly recommend it. It's very graphic, and so it can be really hard to to read. Um, And on that note, I should say that all of the little ears out there, if you have a little ear that's listening, now is a really good time to pause the podcast um, because this um, these true stories I'm about to tell are really hard to hear and, yeah. and not great for, for little ones. But um, the this true story is it happened in Glacier National Park on one freak night in 1967 where two different grizzlies killed two different women in completely separate parts of the park. Um, not not too far away from each other, really. Um, yeah, weren't they like on either side of like the same mountain? Yeah, more or less. More or less if you looked at a map, yeah. And weren't they like the very first like bear attacks in the park? Yes, which is so freaky to think about. That, like, this has never happened before, and then it happens twice in one night. Right, on the same night. On the same night. So bizarre. It's so wild. Um, And the documentary is, um, it's old, guys. It's old, but it's really good. It's (laughs) worth watching. It's like an hour. Not too bad. So the first attack happened with a young guy and girl, and they were hiking eight miles from Logan's Pass, that really high point, 
um, in the park, and they were hiking along the High Line Trail to the Granite Park Chalet. So it's not the exact hike that we had just been on, that that rainy hike. Um, it was a different trail, but it was ending up in the same place right. at this chalet. And the chalet at the time was packed with people. It's during the summertime, and tons and tons of people there. People actually sleep all over the floors in their sleeping bags there. And it was too packed um, for them to even sleep in there. So they end up camping outside under the stars. And just after midnight, the female wakes up her male friend and tells him to play dead. And a grizzly is sniffing them both down in their sleeping bags. And he ends up, the grizzly, ends up attacking both of them. So both of them are getting hurt at this point. But the grizzly carries the female off into the night. And this male, and these are young people. These are like young adults. Um... He ends up running up to the chalet and asking for help. Um, He actually was so terrified. He was trying to get people to go out there and look for her, but it was just too dangerous. There was no safe way for everyone to do that. And um, so they end up calling for a helicopter. They bring medical supplies. And and this guy's really, really hurt. Um, And they're, you know, trying to take care of him. Um, And then they, they ended up waiting two hours before they go and look for this girl. That's crazy. That's so crazy. And they eventually find her. She's 100 yards away and she's still alive, which is even then more heartbreaking um she did end up dying um in the chalet that night before a a helicopter could arrive to take her to the hospital so a helicopter had come with medical supplies and i think maybe even taken the guy um you know back to a hospital or something so that's the first thing that's happening that night the second attack is the same night a group of four park employees had also hiked eight miles, and they had hiked from Lake McDonald to Trout Lake. And that's where a grizzly came upon their campsite while they were cooking. And they were, like, making hot dogs, making dinner, sitting by the fire, fresh fish, I believe. Um, they'd been fishing and, um, and of course— completely attractive to a bear the grizzly comes in and disrupts their campsite they were all safe but they were pretty shaken up by it and um, they ended up falling asleep around the campfire because they were a little worried still and a little rattled um, so they're sleeping around the campfire and all was well until like 4 30 in the morning and then the grizzly came back And he ended up mauling one of the guys um, and eventually carrying off a 19-year-old female in her sleeping bag. And um, all of her comrades, all of her friends had uh, climbed up trees. I cannot imagine shimming up a tree trying to, like, Escape a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, like, stay away from a bear. Knowing that a bear can shimmy on up a tree better than you can. Right. If they want to bad enough. And they stayed up there for an hour and a half. And one of those individuals was a, another young female who actually had her puppy with her. Jeez. And so she's up there in a tree with her puppy. And um, which I'm that part alone. I'm just like, I can't believe there was an instance where she was in her sleeping bag with her puppy trying to keep it quiet um, while she knew that the bear was in the campsite. And I just I'm. Yeah, I just think that would be absolutely terrifying. It's just crazy that it was both two females um, Mm -hmm. that died. They were both 19 years old. 
Isn't that interesting? They're yeah. both the same age. Um, both of them were um, park employees. Like there were both there were park employees in, in both of those groups. Um, in fact, one of the guys who knew people in both of the groups, um, he was invited to go on both camping trips and he made the call to go on one versus the other. And at the end of the night, he finds out or probably the next day he finds out that like one way or another, I would have been involved in a bear attack. Yeah. Last night, I was meant to encounter a bear, a grizzly bear. It's so crazy, too. I remember watching the documentary and hearing about the park's response and, like, the call comes in about the second attack. And they're essentially, they're like, yeah, 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 we already know Mm, about this. And they're like, no, 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 you don't. Like, this is something else. This is a second attack. And it's something that's never happened. And now you're dealing with it twice. Yeah. It's... It's just crazy. Yeah. So, so wild. Um, The other thing that's really interesting is that in both of those instances, the problem was really a result of people feeding bears and leaving garbage out. And it kind of desensitized the bears to humans and and, and truly made them think that humans were their source of food. Mm -hmm. Um, So they weren't scared of humans. They actually saw humans as like either providing them food or on on some level providing them food. Um, At the Granite Park Chalet, it had actually become a nightly ritual for people to feed their scraps to the bears. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, crazy. Come see the bears at this chalet. Mm -hmm. And so people would feed their scraps to the bears, they'd put their scraps out, and then the bears would come. They'd be like, oh, wow, look at the, see the bears. Like, that's crazy. And um, and that ended up being the demise of people. Um, it's really, really sad. Um, that documentary, like, we had seen it a year earlier. Then we went to Glacier, and I think, and I had to wait. I couldn't even read the book while we were still in bear country because it was so disturbing. <laughs> it was so disturbing. Um, and it ended up changing the National Park Service forever. Um, it led to the the pack-in, pack-out policy that you were talking mm-hmm. about, like that we all really need to not leave anything behind, leave no trash or food. Um, they're really strict about that now, and it's for this reason. And the dumps, um, they had some dump sites that were there. Um, they ended up uh, eliminating those at the chalet and making it so that they would always, I think, burn the food um, if they have any scraps or anything. Um, rangers started ticketing visitors who were feeding bears or um, they would kick campers out. If they had a really messy campsite, they would kick you out of the park. Um, and But that was for your safety and um and then if they saw that grizzlies were frequenting certain trails, um, they would close those trails until the bears moved on. Um, and that's, you know, it's why we see warnings and tips everywhere about bear safety. That all came, um, really a lot of it was instigated by this particular story. Yeah. And from what I can tell, it's had a really big impact on all the national parks system, yeah. not just um glacier national park so um that's also sometimes why you'll see that you need um, a permit to go camp in the backcountry um and it's because they it's for your safety you know yeah well they need to know who's out there and where they're intending to go and, and those kinds of things and um it's it's crazy and you know all those 
bear canisters and bear boxes that are around now is all kind of stem from the realization that we have to treat we have to treat nature differently than we have been up to the point where this mm-hmm. story happened. Yeah. Those stories are are insane. Um it's so so crazy and heartbreaking. Yeah. Um when you really hear the stories being told, um it's it's really heartbreaking that it came to it had to get to that point before anybody took it seriously. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 It is it is sad that it takes such tragedy to get the right thing to happen mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah 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 but I hope that their families know that like it wasn't in vain because so much has changed because of those stories the really the way we all now get to enjoy national parks safely you know is a result of that so like something good did come from it though it was really tragic that it had to happen at all yeah well Hillary's brought us another uh, hopeful cheery story about bears and their cuddly nature to the podcast Uh, but we weren't uh, we weren't quite done with glacier and we're not quite done with our podcast so we will uh, we'll pep it back up uh, with kind of our final hike and that was uh, to the hidden lake overlook and this trail is accessed from logan's pass Uh, so the highest point in the park you go up you park there and uh, you can take this trail it was a lot of fun. It was very busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it was, wasn't it? Very busy trail. Uh, parking lot was packed. A lot of people everywhere. Uh, you hike probably like a third of the hike in the snow. <laughs> I did not see that which coming. Which was crazy because we were like, I think you were in shorts, weren't you? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, like we're, you're hiking through the snow. We saw uh, a mountain goat along the way and it got like really close uh-huh. like it came right up to the trail um i think we got some good pictures and footage of that that, that we'll share um the wind up there is pretty cold when it like is coming right off that snow so a little chilly uh, and there's um, nothing to block the wind because you're yeah. way up there really high yeah you're to the point where like the trees if there are any they're really small and, yeah. and slight because because of the altitude and it, uh, but when you get to the overlook, the Hidden Lake Overlook, it's beautiful. Like just an amazing view of this, of this lake way up in the mountains. Oh, beautiful. And to me, I think I'd always grown up thinking like lakes are at the bottom of the mountain. And I think in, just in my mind, it was always like, well, like it, it rains or snows and then the snow melts and it comes down the mountains to the bottom of the mountain where the rivers and the lakes are. And you realize that there are places in the world where the mountains are big enough that there are lakes up in the mountains. Yeah. And this is one of them and just incredible to see just so untouched. Yeah. You know, when you're on that overlook, you're looking out over an area that's just the way it's always been. And that was really cool to see a lot of fun. Um, I think you like did some some sledding on your rain jacket on the oh way down. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten. Um, oh, that's right because there was so much snow mm-hmm. and it was so hard to hike through that it was easier on the way down to just be like 
I just took off my raincoat and like sat on it and just started <laughs> sledding down on it. It was awesome. It was actually really fun. Yeah, it, it was really cool. There were a couple of people that had brought skis and like were <laughs> yeah. skiing down from the hike. Um, but it was, it's a lot of fun and just so like another hike in Granite Park that is just completely different from all the other totally hikes that we different. had done. Yeah. I feel like every hike was so unique there. Uh-huh. That this park didn't have like one flavor. Yeah. It offered you all kinds of different stuff to see and was just really cool. Absolutely. I loved that the variety that we got from from that. You know, it was also like this was just our second national park on this uh leg of gap year Mm -hmm. and so we were starting to see the whole the idea that we had this national park pass that we'd purchased for like i don't know 70 80 bucks yeah i think it was like 79 dollars. yeah we started to really see that it was paying off yes so any like tips for someone looking to go to a national park like wow definitely get the national park pass because it will pay off in just a couple days it's crazy yeah, I think I remember seeing in the Tetons, I think it was like $35 a day. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, like our National Park Pass has already paid for itself with us just being here three days. Yeah. And then Grant, like, you know, you get to go into Granite. Um, We had to pay for reservations in some of the other national parks we went to. And then obviously the places that we camped, we had to pay. But just access to the park with the national park pass like we used it so many times in so many national parks way worth it yeah go out and get the pass yeah and you mentioned reservations they are critical guys yeah national parks really require reservations now Mm -hmm. um so really plan on booking in advance sometimes that's going to mean six months that's going to mean as soon as they open up those tickets for you which are usually from what we could see with the american national parks it's usually six month window yeah go ahead as soon as they release it um like so right now, you know, we're we're looking at it's November 2023. That means if you want to um, be booking something in 2024, you're you need to be booking it now. Yeah. It's yeah. Kinda crazy. You, need, you need to be on the clock. And that's reservations for camping, but also reservations for like we're talking about going to the Sun Road, certain yeah. hikes. If you're wanting to do like if you want to hike Half Dome in Yosemite National Park. You need a reservation for that. You need to get a pass for that. So there's a ton of stuff that that you need to get reservations for. So just look into the parks that you're going to and know what you want to do and make sure that you have all the reservations and passes lined up well in advance. Otherwise, you're you're going to miss out on some really cool stuff. And the stuff that requires reservations is really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it requires reservations for a reason because it's really popular and it's really popular because a lot of times it's worth it. Yeah. Also arrive early, as early as possible if you're coming into the park from the outside. Yep. Um, this could even help you avoid the need for reservations because a lot of times reservations are like if you are going to enter the park after 6 a.m., then mm-hmm. you need a reservation. But if you are going to try to get in at 5 o'clock... 5 a.m. in the morning, that's really early. But if you're thinking about doing that, it could... In some cases, um, avoid help you avoid the need for reservations, and then also just remember the national parks are really not pet friendly. They're just not made for that. No, they're really not. Um, I think that was kind of one of our most disappointing things yeah. about 
all the national parks and gap year because we did have Maggie with us when through all of our park travels and a lot of times she just had to stay home in the RV while we would go hike and stuff just because there's just not a lot that pets can can do or be involved in again it's kind of that thing of like a lot of times dogs don't interact well with with the other wildlife and parks and things Mm -hmm. like that so it's really for everybody's safety but there's just not a lot for a Fido to do while while you're in the park so what's up next where are we headed to next Jamin well you're going to want to make sure that you are subscribed and have all your notifications on and all that stuff because next we are going international with our RV yeah We are crossing the border into Canada and headed to Banff National Park. Um, Hillary was very nervous about crossing the border. I sound like a really nervous Nelly. (laughs) You are a really nervous Nelly. I (laughs) guess so. And we'll we'll tell you all about that. Um, There's a a whole process that goes into it. Um, A lot of rules, Mm -hmm. especially when we did it. It was fairly close to COVID, so there was even more rules than like naturally there are rules yeah. um, a lot of restrictions on stuff you can take and things like that yeah, we were taking our whole house so right it's complicated and it is a little more complicated because we we're full-time RVers so it wasn't just one trip that we were packed for right you know we, we had, weren't leaving stuff at home right like we had everything and so we really had to kind of think about like okay what do we actually have with us yeah and what do we need to get rid of or can't take across the border with us and uh, we'll kind of unpack that for you as we get into uh, next week's episode on Banff, Canada. To see all of the things that we are doing, you guys can find us on YouTube as Travel FOMO Podcast. You'll also find us on the social media channels. So we're out there. We're on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. So that's a great way to go and get a quick fix, a quick little visual of what we're up to. But you can also watch those long form videos on YouTube and it gives you a little better idea of what we were experiencing. I will say with some of this RV stuff, we were really struggling guys (laughs) this was like hard for us so we were somewhat real but we weren't always able to just put our full selves in front of the camera i'm not gonna lie yeah wouldn't you agree it was hard i feel like travel days were the hardest yes and something would always go wrong on a travel day we always had long travel days a long way to go And so you're so exhausted from the day of travel and on top of that, something going wrong that the thought of like picking up the camera and talking about it was difficult, especially, especially at first. And I feel like Europe had gone so smoothly and so effortlessly Mm -hmm. that then like meeting all these obstacles was hard to hard to talk about on camera it uh, it ended up being a lot of fun yeah and we want to share the fun of your adventures yeah and uh, one of the ways that we can do that is if you'll reach out to us by email you can reach us at travelfomopodcast at gmail.com if you have some tips about national parks or rving or bears or any of the stuff that we've <laughs> talked about uh please uh send us an email we will uh, read it here to share with the travel fomo family or if you would like to record a voice memo and email that to us then we'll take that as your permission to plug it in 
and let your let you say your words to everybody out there. Um, you can uh, ease everyone's mind about bears and let them know that they can feel free to hike uh, without crippling fear of bears. <laughs> Yeah, you. I mean, it's you. It'll be. It'll be fine. It'll just take you. You know, how many national parks did it take before I was comfortable? I don't know. Are you comfortable? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad that we did all the things that we did in the national parks and all the hiking and all of the the things. Even when they made me uncomfortable, I knew that I was getting to experience something that was new. Yeah, that was good. It was important important and um we do that stuff because like we like to always say life is short wander well 